What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today I have a juicy episode for you. I'm going to tell you about diet soda versus regular soda. Now, normally, I would not imagine that that would be a very enticing hook or headline. However, I saw something on Instagram that indicated that diet soda is worse for you than regular soda. And I was like, huh, I wonder if other people believe that because I see nonsense all over the socials, all over the socials world. And I always like to just kind of identify, is this something that is commonly believed or is this just a little tiny segment of the population of the interwebs? And so I took to my stories and I posted a simple poll. And the poll question was, have you heard that diet soda is worse for you than regular soda? And the three options were, yes, diet soda is worse for you. No, I've never heard that before. Or yes, I've heard it, but I don't believe it. Now, the majority of people answered, I've heard it, but I don't believe it. A small percent said that they've never heard it before. And about 23% voted, yes, diet soda is worse for you than regular. And that was surprising because I did not know that that many people held that belief. And it was one of those polls where I got a ton of votes. Like I typically just, I don't have the most happening Instagram account. I just, I don't put a lot of time and energy into it. So naturally I don't, I don't get like crazy amounts of story views or engagement or anything like that. Normally I'm posting stories with my dogs or just some like random vent session that I throw up on my story. But in this particular case, it blew up. It was one of my highest viewed stories ever. And it was probably the single most amount of votes that I ever got on a story poll. Not only that, but the DMs started blowing up as well. And I had a lot of people telling me all of their thoughts and opinions on diet soda and how it is like the worst thing in the world. And Man, it was that was like really, really eye opening because I had posted a follow up story basically saying, Do you want me to actually do an episode on the reality? Like, what do we know so far based off of research? What does the evidence tell us about diet soda and regular soda? And a lot of people said, Yes, please do that podcast episode. A lot of <laughs> I got some comments that were really funny that were like, I don't care what the research says. It's common sense that diet soda is horrible for you. <laughs> it's a, like, think about that statement. I don't care what research says. I'm going to trust my bias more than I'm going to trust science or research. Like, listen, I get it. I'm biased too. I have certain things that, you know, I, I hold strong beliefs in certain areas, but can we at least be open minded enough to say, like, even if you take the stance of, I am open to what research says, but I'm still skeptical because I want, you know, you you can have any, like sometimes research takes some time to catch up what to what we know to be true. This happens in, you know, all the time. We have a theory 
and we see it in you know in observation we see it through you know practical application and anecdote and then we want the research to back it up and sometimes that research takes time to prove what we've already had instincts about so maybe you could just hold that position instead of saying i don't care what, what any of the research says um but yeah that that was really surprising and uh anyway i should also clarify that i don't care if you drink diet soda or if you drink regular soda or if you drink no soda it really does not matter to me one bit what i do care about like everybody can you can have your own preference i drink coke zero every single day i have one coke zero every single day so you can obviously guess uh how i feel about the topic I don't care what you do. What I do care about is if you are making those decisions based off of fear and misinformation. And that's really the the issue that I have is when people spread fear and misinformation. It's like the whole thing about um, people being afraid of carbs and thinking that carbs are going to make you fat or fruit is going to make you fat or vegetables are bad for you. Like all of this shit gets thrown out there and there's no like fact check it's it's literally feelings these are like feelings and biases and beliefs that aren't backed up by any evidence and i don't again i don't care what an individual person believes or does but once they start influencing others in a way that is harmful now all of a sudden you've got my attention now all of a sudden i care so the fact that nearly a quarter of my audience or a quarter of the people that took the time to vote on my stories. And by the way, if you don't follow me, just go to at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and give me a follow. I'd appreciate it. But the fact that there's that many people that are saying diet soda is worse for you than regular soda. And I'm guessing that that has, is largely being influenced by, by fear mongering and misinformation. So let's break it all down today, shall we? Before I do, I uh, just wanted to ask for a little favor, if you don't mind, leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would be great. And plus, when you do that, you're eligible to win a free supplement of your choice from any of our sponsors. We have three wonderful, lovely sponsors, Organifi, Cured Nutrition, and Legion Athletics. So when you leave a five-star rating and review, you get entered to win our supplement giveaway that happens every single Wednesday. So get your review in and find out if you won on Wednesday. And then if you don't mind following or subscribing to the show wherever you listen, that's the best way to reach a wider audience. Um, the last thing that I want to say is we've had uh, some amazing new people join the POP 101 coaching program, uh, which is a beautiful thing. But the reason why I wanted to share this is because um, it's been last week was a great week of just conversations with people who needed some help and and it was a great fit for coaching and we had a you know a nice chat and these uh, what was it like five or six individuals joined uh, actually it might have been seven, six or seven somewhere whatever there was a, a good chunk of people that joined our program last week. Uh, but what I wanted to say was uh, one of those individuals, when I asked, like, you know, how'd you hear about us and all the things? And we had this great conversation. We spoke for a while and she said, I actually know I'm friends with one of your clients who um, has has been doing this for like a year 
And I just found out that she was working with you guys. And I, you know, she, she looks amazing. She feels amazing. And then when I asked, you know, she finally told me how she loves her coach. She loves the process. And she's like, I, I kept saying like, why have I never, why haven't you told me about this sooner? And she was the one, the new client was the one that had to initiate that conversation. And I get it because it, sometimes it can be weird, but this is my ask. If you're a client and you're crushing it, tell everybody, <laughs> tell your friends, tell people that are interested. Um, it was just a funny situation where she was like, I could have been, because we both felt like this was a perfect fit. She was like, I, I don't know why she didn't tell me sooner. And she made me wait a whole year when I could have started at the same time she did. And I could have been in the same spot she is, which is so much further along. But anyway, better late than never is the bottom line. So um, I just thought that was funny. I wanted to share. So if you're with us, don't hold out on your friends. Like, you know how amazing the experience is. Don't hold it to yourself. Don't be selfish. Spread the love and tell other people about it. All right. So let's uh, first get into, uh, I wanted to think about like, what's the best way to begin? And I think the best way to begin is why we assume and why the uh, you know perception is that diet soda is bad for you. And I'm when I'm talking about diet soda, I'm not isolate, like I'm talking literally any zero calorie sweetened beverage. So it could be Coke Zero, it could be Diet Coke, it could be any of those um, and it doesn't have to be Coke either. It could be Sprite or ginger ale or whatever your thing is. Uh, Coke Zero just happens to be my favorite. Although I'm a big fan of Diet Dr. Pepper is another good one. Um, Cherry Coke Zero is a amazing find. And uh, yeah, so the first thing that we I want to look at is when we talk about the diet soda connection to body weight. There is a belief and there has been a belief uh, because of research that is a little bit misleading. So there have been some observational studies that show that people who use low calorie sweeteners, diet soda, things like that, are more likely to be obese or overweight. So this study basically found uh, this association between low calorie sweetener consumption, increased body weight. Now, anybody who knows anything about research asks the question, was it causation? Right? Was this cause and effect? Or was it just correlation? Meaning, did the low calorie sweeteners actually create or lead to an increase in body weight? Or does it, or is it kind of this reverse causality where people who are obese are more likely to use those, you know, low calorie alternatives? That may sound strange, but it, it's actually not. Because if you think about it, a lot of times people who are overweight or obese are very aware and they've been told their entire lives, they've been told their entire lives to cut back on calories, eat less, move more. So it's not strange to consider that overweight and obese individuals are more likely to, let's say, 
go to McDonald's and order a Diet Coke, right? Like I get my my meal, let's say I'm eating a lot of fast food and I also want to get a Diet Coke because I'm trying to cut calories somewhere and that would show up on the study, right? That, you know, there's this connection between uh, obesity and, and low calorie sweeteners. Um, however, that is actually not the case because the, the observational studies, it's, it's not, we're not teasing out causality. And in fact, it's more likely reverse causality. So then what we have to do is we have to go deeper into the data and we have to assess, are, do we have any randomized control trials that tell us if diet soda or low calorie uh, sweeteners, low calorie sweetened drinks um, actually increase body weight if it's cause and effect. And fortunately, we have a lot of that. <laughs> fortunately, we have a lot of research to show that there is not only is there no causation, but in fact, zero calorie diet drinks lead to better weight outcomes and as a result, better health outcomes. And now it would be one thing if it was just one random study, because basically if you look at research, ultimately what you want to do is be able to repeat that research. So a, a, a very popular example of this is there is a supplement called Yohimbine. Um, if you look it up, Yohimbine is, is used in a lot of fat burners. It is a very popular fat burner substance. And Yohimbine has been, there was one study that was done on soccer players that showed that Yohimbine like significantly enhanced their uh, fat loss. And so every single supplement company that has a fat burner will throw that in there and then they'll reference that study as proof that it works. Now, the problem is that we have not been able to replicate those results since then. Like it's a one-off situation. Who knows why that was the case? However, the importance with research is can you actually replicate it or was it just a one-off situation? Now, when it comes to diet sodas and low calorie drinks, um, there are randomized controlled trials that show diet soda is a great tool to aid in weight loss. In fact, there have been studies that compared diet soda with water versus in, in terms of like what they were allowed to, to drink versus just water without any soda. So you had a group that was allowed to drink diet soda and water. And then you had a group that was only allowed to drink water and the diet soda group lost more weight, okay? Because do you know what diet soda has? Zero calories. It also comes with a delicious taste and it's carbonated, which sometimes can help you feel more full. I don't know about you, but I look forward to my Coke Zero every single day because it's like a delicious treat. <laughs> and here's what happened. There have been Meta-analyses, which is basically reviewing all of the all of the studies on a particular topic. So you have a group 
of studies that are based off of certain criteria. And then you have these systematic reviews and they, and they reported that consuming diet drinks reduced overall energy intake resulted in weight loss coupled with cardiometabolic benefits, especially here's the kicker, especially when compared to sugar sweetened drinks. Especially when compared to sugar sweetened drinks. So for all of those who said diet soda is worse for you, you're either saying that out of misinformation or fear or a very deeply ingrained bias that like the, the people that, that uh, DM'd me and said, I don't care what the research says. I'm just going to hold on to my belief. But if you actually care what the research says, we have randomized control trials that show a positive association with diet soda and weight loss. We have randomized control trials that show diet soda and water outperformed just water for weight loss. And we have meta-analyses and systematic reviews that have reported diet drinks reducing overall intake, which resulted in weight loss, which resulted in cardiometabolic benefits, especially when compared to sugar-sweetened drinks. Now, there was another recent study that basically was trying to replicate another study. So like I mentioned, it's one thing when you have a study that shows something like yohimbine is associated with more fat loss. And it's like, okay, great. Let's, let's replicate this and prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, which could not be done. Uh, however, with diet soda, there was a study done by Harold et al., which was a very recent study, by the way. Um, I believe it was in, trying to see the year 2022. So Harold et al., the group of um, researchers, wanted to, basically they were inspired by a previous study that was done by uh, Peters et al., which was the one that compared diet drinks and water um, versus just diet drinks on diet drinks and water versus just water on weight loss and maintenance. So what they did was they did a 12 week period of active weight loss where the participants were in this like weight behavioral weight management program. And then there was a 40 week assisted weight maintenance period. So 12 weeks of active weight loss, 40 weeks of assisted weight maintenance. So 52 weeks, uh, basically a year long study. And what happened was they gave the, the the participants a monthly lifestyle intervention as part of the maintenance period. So the first thing was that the participants consuming diet drinks lost more weight and did better at maintaining their post weight loss. They're right. Like they, they did a better job at maintaining the weight that they lost versus the group that just consumed water. So it was a very similar design to, if you look up Peters et al., and you could search Peters et al., um, diet soda versus water or something along those lines, and you'll see it. 
It's a very similar design. Uh, but this particular study by Harold et al. decided to add a 52-week unassisted extension after the first 52 weeks. So there was the 12-week fat loss period, 40 weeks of assisted weight maintenance, and then a 52-week unassisted period. Basically, like continue being a part of the study without any sort of intervention or check-ins or accountability or anything like that. That part of the study has yet to be completed. So, so far, we only have the results from the first 52 weeks, which the outcome matched the same findings of the Peters et al. study, which showed diet soda plus water, better outcomes for weight loss and better outcomes for weight maintenance. Randomized control trials, we have meta-analyses, systematic reviews, we have all the boxes checked for weight loss. Now, let's talk about regular soda. Regular soda. Does it really need an explanation? <laughs> it's just sugar with no other benefits. Like They're basically empty calories. Not entirely because, yes, your body can use sugar for energy. But, but here's what I don't understand. The argument typically for why diet soda is worse is because of artificial ingredients. Do you know that regular soda also has artificial ingredients? Like, do you think that soda is coming out of a, a like a fucking, you know, glacier? <laughs> like, are we drinking glacier soda? Do you think, where the fuck do you think that regular soda comes from? How could it? How can you possibly say that artificial zero calories versus artificial packed full of calories, how is that even a belief? And especially when all of the scientific literature up until this point, because science can evolve, but up until this point would indicate that regular full calorie soda makes it more difficult to maintain a healthy body weight. So you have all of the cardiometabolic risk associated with overconsumption of calories and you know being overweight. All of those things where you're taking a artificial beverage in soda and you're getting the full calorie and sugar content and it's so easy to overconsume. And I don't think people recognize just how many calories are in those beverages. And that, yes, that also includes all of the like crazy coffee drinks that have a million calories as well. If something is calorically dense, doesn't fill you up and makes it really easy to, con to continue to overconsume, you're always going to find that that leads to worse health outcomes, always. I want to take a brief pause in this episode because if you haven't started taking some Organifi Shilajit gummies, you are seriously missing out. That has been my new favorite supplement. And I'm telling you, this is one of those things that most people don't know about, but they will very soon. It's kind of like what happened with ashwagandha and rhodiola and some other really cool adaptogens. 
that picked up a lot of popularity in the fitness space. And Sheila Jeet is the next thing because it has so many health benefits and not only from a health perspective, but also just from how you feel, energy levels, focus. Uh, that is the key for me is taking it in the morning before I start my day. That's been part of my routine now. Um, and so I combine that. I'll take my Organifi green juice, my crisp apple, because it's a great way to, you know, get some good micronutrients in your body to start the day and then increase my energy and focus with some Sheila Jeet gummies. And that allows me to produce at a high level for work. And then on the days that I'm playing uh, tennis or getting to the gym, I'll take the Sheila Jeet then as well. Uh, I also use some Organifi, Organifi collagen in my coffee. As I am approaching 40, I am a little bit more uh, intentional about supporting my skin and hair and nails and you know, joints and all that stuff. And collagen is great for that. And my days conclude with some Organifi gold juice chocolate flavor because it is just a sweet treat that is heavenly and a great way to wrap up the day. And it gives me that dessert-like flavor and it helps me calm down and wind down after a long day. So if you're paying attention, that's green juice, Sheila Jeet, collagen, and gold juice. The They all have different benefits. Um, for the green juice, it's kind of like my insurance policy to make sure I'm getting my vitamins and minerals in. And I love starting the morning with a win. And that's an easy one. Just mix it in water. It's delicious. And you're good. The Sheila Jeet for energy, for focus. There's like, go look at the Sheila Jeet uh, health benefits and you'll be amazed. It is, I'm telling you, it's the next thing in the adaptogen family. The collagen for hair health, skin health, nail health, joint health, joint health. Um, and then the gold juice chocolate flavor, which is for calming the brain down, getting you into that rest and digest mode after a long day. And you get 20% off all of their products, literally all of them, um, because you are a Mind Over Macros listener. And if you go to Organifi.com slash popfam, and then you use code popfam at checkout, you get 20% off any Organifi, pro Organifi product. You could go with the ones that I mentioned. Or you can try something else that they have, like red juice or the pure product or uh, you know, the immunity product. They have so many great products to try. Highly recommend the green juice, the gold juice, the Sheila Jeet, the collagen. Mel is obsessed with the Harmony product, which is a hormone balancer. Uh, it's Organifi.com slash popfam, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M and use code popfam for 20% off. And now let's get back to the episode. Now, I know that there's one other area that we we haven't talked about, and I'm intentionally leaving that for last. But I think that if we are specifically looking at cardiometabolic outcomes, the research is very clear. High calorie, no nutritional value leads to worse outcomes than zero calorie. Now, first I want to say, for those who have been led to believe that when you drink a diet soda, because it's sweet, your body immediately reacts as if you're getting this huge calorie dump, but then you don't get any calories. So that's bad for your health. It's just straight up wrong. Even if, and, and by the way, this has been researched, but even if you want to make the case and say, well, 
when your body gets this sweet beverage, even though there's no calories, you're going to get this insulin spike and then blood sugar crash. Okay, number one, that doesn't actually happen. Number two, even if it did, an acute insulin spike is not a bad thing. This is another common myth that has been spouted out all across the interwebs to make people afraid of eating carbs. Well, carbs spike insulin. Okay, so like an acute spike in insulin is not a bad thing. That's what your body is supposed to do. Now, when you have chronically elevated levels of insulin, which often happens from overconsumption of calories, overconsumption of sugar, now we're getting to actual risk, chronic elevated levels of insulin, just like an acute spike in cortisol. Everybody wants to spread fear around cortisol. Cortisol literally keeps you alive. You need it to survive. It's pretty damn valuable to your body. So is insulin, by the way. An acute spike in cortisol, people act like elevated cortisol is the end of the world. No, that's actually what's supposed to happen when you're under stress. Or even when you just wake up in the morning, you're supposed to have high levels of cortisol. The issue is when it's chronically elevated. It never comes back down. The issue is when you have an irregular cortisol response, not just because there was an acute spike. Like right now, I'm freaking heated talking about this topic. So yes, cortisol is probably elevated. But once I stop recording and I go sit my ass on the couch and start watching some football, I am going to be back to my normal homeostatic state. There's no issue with this acute spike in cortisol. Just like even if diet soda spiked insulin a little bit because your body thinks that it's getting sweet calories and it's not, it doesn't fucking matter. Stop listening to bullshit and fear mongers. Again, I say this from the lens of I don't care if you drink soda regular or diet or neither or both. I don't care. What I care about is fear-mongering and misinformation being used to manipulate people into things that aren't serving them or actually harming them. Now, let's talk about the most important thing. The most important thing, which is cancer and artificial sweeteners. Because when I posted that thing about diet soda, man, everybody came out of the woodworks to tell me that I'm basically killing myself by putting Coke Zero into my body because it's just cancer. I'm basically drinking cancer out of a can. Now, here's the thing. This is why this is why social media is such a dangerous place. If you were to Google artificial sweeteners in cancer, you would find studies that make it look pretty convincing that there is a connection between artificial sweeteners and cancer. I hope that when you look at research, you actually look at research. Meaning you don't just take it at face value. You look at more details, how the study was conducted, 
every single study that shows, let's say like aspartame is the common one. The studies that have been shown to try to create the connection between aspartame and cancer, they are taking insane doses and they are doing it in vitro. Basically, they're taking like, and, and it's in rodents, by the way. So they're taking cells from rats. They're putting them in little Petri dishes and they are blasting them with more artificial sweeteners than any human could ever consume in a lifetime. It is ridiculous that that is what we use to say artificial sweeteners cause cancer. Once again, do we have any studies that show anything to the contrary? And of course, we do. We actually have studies that look at humans, which would probably be more relevant than rats. And we also have studies that looked at humans who consume a normal amount of low-calorie sweetened beverage. All right. So if you want to look this up for yourself, um, there was a 2022 study. I'm looking at it on PubMed right now. The title is, uh, well, if you want the number, it is 36500986. If you want the title of the study, the title says, No Association Between Low-Calorie Sweetener Use and Overall Cancer Risk in the Nationally Representative Database in the U.S. Okay, so go look at that. Um, and what they found was that and, and by the way, the way that this was conducted, um, they looked at mortality data of diets of nearly 16,000 people between 1988 and 1994 and almost 50,000 people between 1999 and 2018. The study found that the health risks associated with low calorie sweeteners are a fallacy. Want me to say that again? <laughs> The health risks associated with low-calorie sweeteners are a fallacy. Now, again, I think that's it's important to recognize that if you are consuming an obscene amount of diet soda, it's probably not a good idea because anything in obscene amounts is not like you can overdose on water. Too much of anything is going to be problematic. So I think that we have to actually use logic and common sense here. I know some people are like, yeah, I drink like eight Diet Cokes a day. Okay, let's, let's probably cut back on that. Um, let's use moderation. And I think that that's, that's the thing that like gets lost in all of this. And again, I'm not talking like you can have your beliefs. You can ignore research all you want. You can say, I don't care what you say. I'm not going to drink diet soda. By all means, go for it. I just have an issue with fear mongering around these things and then lack of like practical application. For some people like myself, having that delicious Coke Zero once a day helps me to stay on track. It gives me something to look forward to, and especially when I'm dieting, I enjoy it. And no, I don't think that it is 
harming me in any way, shape, or form. And the research would back that up because I'm not blasting the equivalent of like 500 sodas onto my cells like they do in these studies that try to draw a connection. Like take any substance, take any substance and blast it at like, you know, a thousand times the normal amount that somebody would consume and put that directly on a cell. Like you might find some shit. But again, I think, you know, a lot of times, again, I'm, I'm basing this off of comments that I got in my DMs. Oh, I wouldn't put anything like that in my body. All right, great. You want to be like you're you're holier than now. I'm I'm so fucking pure. But I guarantee you, uh, like ironically, these people are commenting on an Instagram message, right? They're on their fucking blue, you know, screens, their blue light screens. Um, that's artificial light. So you actually are putting something artificial in your body, whether you know it or not, and you're a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> like, let's just call it what it is, because if you're going to be this purist then actually be a purist. I'd never put anything. Eh, you actually are. You're the, you know, the internet troll who is consuming something artificial while saying that you would never do that. Again, I don't care if that's how you want to if that's how you want to approach it. Fine, but let's let's not scare everybody else who actually wants to take a reasonable approach and cares what research tells us. If if we care about the research, the research says there is no connection between artificial sweeteners and cancer. And if you look at the articles and the stuff that you're reading, I promise you, go look at the studies and then go tell me that it's not in vitro with an obscene amount of artificial sweeteners being blasted onto a cell. You just do your own research and take a look at that. And, and again, I think the the takeaway message is that moderation is key. You very well could include regular full sugar soda into an overall healthy diet. Does it make it more difficult? Of course, just like alcohol. It's more difficult to incorporate alcohol into an overall healthy diet because you're basically taking in empty calories and it makes it easier to overconsume. Same thing with regular soda. Diet soda has been proven to produce better weight outcomes, better weight maintenance. It is actually zero calories. And I don't care what, like, again, the fear-mongering angles of it, it tricks your body. Okay, no, it doesn't. Your body knows that there's no energy coming in. It's not like it's it's ramping up because you had a Coke Zero, so now it's like prepared to run a half marathon. No, that's not how it works. And even if there were an acute spike in insulin, that's not an inherently bad thing. So let's be reasonable. Let's practice moderation. For some people, it can be a really effective weight loss tool, which will lead to better health outcomes. And the whole fear-mongering around artificial sweeteners and cancer just does not hold up to research. Now, if you want to, again, if you want to take the stance and say, well, research will catch up and in 20 years, we'll know for sure that it does, maybe I'm, I'm open to that being a possibility. And then I'll circle back and say, I did this podcast episode in 2024 and man, I was way off. But until then, I am going to trust 
what we know to be true and also what I know to be true about things in moderation and continue to take that position. You don't have to take the same stance. I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I think it's important that we know what we're talking about from from more of like a fact-based perspective, facts over feelings, and then make your own decisions. From there, again, from a kind of rational position, we can say, all right, for me, this is what I want to do. I only want to drink water and nothing else ever. Okay, great. Do that. I only want to drink uh, one diet soda a day because that's, you know, reasonable for me or whatever it is, two or, you know, you make your own choices. If you want me to link any of the studies that I referenced, I'm happy to. Um, I gave a couple titles in there that you can look up for yourself. But yeah, do your own research. Don't don't be scared into thinking something like typically if it's fear-based, it's probably false. If somebody's like, you know, this one thing is making you fat, like whatever they're about to say is probably bullshit. So don't fall for it. Uh, Be better. Do your due diligence and your own research and then make the decisions that feel right for you. And uh, hopefully this was helpful. And if not, it was at least fun for me. I'll talk to you soon.